Welcome to the Digital Edge with Sharon Nelson and Jim Calloway. Your hosts, both legal technologists, authors, and lecturers, invite industry professionals to discuss a new topic related to lawyers and technology. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the 90th edition of the Digital Edge Lawyers and Technology. We're glad to have you with us. I'm Sharon Nelson, president of Sensei Enterprises. And I'm Jim Calloway, director of the Oklahoma Bar Association's Management Assistance Program. Before we get started, we'd like to thank our sponsors. CloudMask offers cost-effective and efficient data encryption for law firms, whether large or small, in Google Apps, Office 365, and other cloud solutions. Sign up now for your 60-day free account at cloudmask.com. We also thank ServeNow, a nationwide network of trusted pre-screened process servers. Work with the most professional process servers who have experience with high-volume serves, embrace technology, and understand the litigation process. Visit ServeNow.com to learn more. Today, our topic is how to attract clients in the digital era. We are happy to welcome our guest, Sona Pancholi. Sona Pancholi is the Director of Business Development at Stinson Leonard Street, based in Washington, D.C. Sona serves on the Education Board of the American Bar Association's Law Practice Division and has spoken at previous ABA and Legal Marketing Association meetings. She has experience training lawyers, judges, lawmakers, and business professionals around the world. In her current role, she is focused on creating and supporting best practices and processes for the delivery of top quality business development support across the firm. Thanks for joining us today, Sona. We're awfully happy to have you. Well, thank you very much. Um, I've been very excited since I received the information, and I'm, I'm honored to be here. Well, let's start off with the obvious. We know the digital age is impacting law firm marketing, but can you tell us how it's impacting from your vantage point? Sure. So when you extended the invitation for me to join you, I was on vacation, and this question has been disrupting my cocktail by the pool ever since then. So (laughs) perhaps the first answer is it is disrupting legal marketing, no doubt. Um, I think there are three areas that I I would probably call to attention today, and they are first and foremost, it is leveling the playing field for law firms in the, in the sense that today, with cloud-based computing, with open source programming and social media platforms, things like that, um, it is so much more cost-effective for law firms to take advantage of some of these tools that are out there. And so big marketing budgets and national brands, such as a firm like mine, are now competing with much smaller law firms in a very nuanced geographic area that can reach clients across the country, across the world. They can access information and data um, and easily connect then with those prospects around the country. So the, the flip side of that is it's also reducing the barrier to entry into new markets, meaning that we as lawyers can now spot trends in a more effective way. We can find those trends and then create a targeted and tailored marketing campaign and we can 
find really unique and creative ways to reach those potential clients in a brand new space with a lot less investment of time and money um, than what it might have been in, in the past. And, and related to that would be the efficiencies that come from a digital era. So these new platforms have changed the way in which lawyers and marketing professionals such as myself can track and analyze or react to a market development. So we have robust relationship management software, for example, even in a large firm, we can be aware of who knows somebody at a potential client, how strong is that relationship, and how can we best engage this potential referral source, for example. Um, we can build and purchase off-the-shelf experience tracking software, which allows us to be aware of past successes and then turn that back around and help us tell our clients or potential clients what we've done that can be helpful to them. We have tools that now allow law firms to prepare very tailored and very nice pitch materials, proposal responses. All of these things have created a lot of efficiency, um, which allows, which is good because it allows us to respond to a much higher competitive environment. Well, following up on that, what do you see changing about law firm marketing in this digital age? Yeah, it's a really good question. There's a lot of things that I think um, have changed, certainly digital or not. I think legal marketing has changed significantly over the last 15 to 20 years. But there are three areas that I think are probably relevant for today's discussion, and they are in in the aspects of business development first, uh, client service, and business intelligence. So if we focus on those, um, you know, digital marketing and, and the ability to use these tools don't replace the fact that this is still a relationship business. And we know that most clients, whether it's an individual looking for a divorce attorney in Phoenix or it's a major corporation looking for an M&A attorney around the world, they're still going to find their lawyer by asking a trusted resource. They'll ask a friend or ask a colleague, and they get that referral, but then they're using things like websites and online content to validate. So what that has done for legal marketing is it means our content has to help demonstrate that we can do what someone says we can do. We have to put content out there in a way that's understandable for the client that we can bring them success when they engage with us. That's one way in which business development, I think, is changing. We're also seeing a new way that we can provide client service and bring value. Um, You know, as I mentioned earlier, these platforms are much more available to us, things like a podcast such as this format, uh, webinars, e-alerts, blogs, all of these tools allow us to provide value to our clients in a new way that's cost effective. And so we, in preparing for law firm marketing, we're looking at how we can provide a service to our clients um, in a way that brings value and and in a way that they want to receive it, Um, whether that be online CLEs or it be invitations to free opportunities that may allow them to educate their legal teams in-house or something like that. Um, And then 
one area that doesn't get discussed as much, but I think is very critical, is the aspect of business intelligence. And you know, terms like data mining and data analytics may seem very daunting to some of the listeners here, but I think it's important to remember that the digital era makes business intelligence accessible. So things like an internet search, subscribing to a news feed, tracking a client on social media. These are really cost-effective ways that allow a lawyer to stay informed about what's happening to their clients or what's happening to a prospective client that they might use to find an opportunity to engage with that person or that company. Um, and then, of course, there's lots of ways in which the digital era allows business intelligence to be uh, more robust if you can have them dollars to invest in some of the big databases and things like that. But, but we really can know a lot more about who our clients are, what our marketplace looks like, and that creates a lot of new expectations, certainly. Clients and prospects don't tolerate information that's not ta tailored to them. Uh, but it also creates a lot of new opportunities because we can really be thoughtful about who our market is and who our clients are and what we can do to help them. Well, one of the uh, things that it has allowed lawyers to do as digital marketing has changed. Uh, it has allowed them to make many, many mistakes, some of which end up in disciplinary <laughs> proceedings. But if you, if you have to identify just three of the mistakes that have been made, what would you say they are, Sona? Well, you know, I had an opportunity to listen to a podcast uh, that the Digital Edge had a few weeks ago in which um, one of your guests spoke about optimizing for mobile. And I strongly recommend every listener to go back and listen to that if they haven't already done so, because I think the points raised there are critical. Law firms do have websites, but if they're not staying current in how those platforms are being accessed, there's no point in having it to thought almost. Um, you know, there was a great article last week uh, in the Wall Street Journal about the fact that Google's efforts to change the algorithm on what, which websites show up in a search is having an impact, and they are emphasizing websites that are mobile-friendly. And they're doing this because most they're acknowledging that a lot of people are using mobile devices to, fund, to do their web searches. And so... It's important. There is a cost involved, but it is important that law firms keep up with the times as those technologies evolve and make sure that their online content is accessible and, and, and able to be found uh, by the clients that they want to reach. And then related to that, the other mistake that I see is content gets old. So you have a great website. You've created a blog. Uh, maybe you even have a YouTube channel, but the content is stale. And, you know, a lot of lawyers will tell me that the law just doesn't change that rapidly. I wrote a great article on this nuance of the tax law, and it just hasn't changed. So what more should I say? Um, but you have to keep in mind that if the content is old, not only will your posting fall lower in a search result, but clients will perceive that lack of activity as lack of active engagement on the subject. It just appears as if you're not doing anything more in this space. And so I really think that it's important that if you've created a platform, a website, or a blog, um, you have to find ways to keep that content current and, and make sure that it's 
relevant and timely. Um, and then when you write that content, now that I have you doing that, it's important to remove the legalese. You know, Sharon, too many lawyers still write as if they are briefing cases for their law professors. Um, and it is just critical that this content be written in a way that clients find informative and engaging. And you know, no matter how flashy your website, how slick your blog, or current your bio, if the client can't understand how what you're writing about will impact them and how, what they can do about it, you're just noise in a very crowded space. They'll, they'll jump to the next piece of content that's available. Yeah, I think, Sona, that's one of the remarks I hear most often uh, is that the accessible writing, the non-lawyerly writing, uh, is so important in communication. And I know we almost had an article rejected by the ABA's Judges Journal because, you know, it wasn't legally lawyerly language and some of the editorial board objected, but happily they were overruled uh, and the article got published anyway. But we are having uh, a trouble, I think, moving from that legalese into something that is compelling uh, as as a story, something that will grab the reader. It makes sense, right? I mean, three years of law school drums in a style of writing that is very hard to walk away from. But they're just that—that's not our audience. That's that's not who's reading our content. Well, that, that's certainly true. And one thing I see about lawyers is is they all seem to be very busy. So, in a, for time challenged lawyers, how should a lawyer get started with improving their marketing efforts? If lawyers do nothing else, I always advise them to focus on their bios first. I, we know through website analytics that most clients are accessing a law firm's website through their bios, through the lawyer's bio. And that's usually because, again, they receive a referral, so they have a name. Uh, they may read an article, hopefully, that the attorney has reposted several places, and now they have a, a name of a lawyer that they want to connect with that content. Um, they met you somewhere. So they're looking for your bio, and that's what, where they enter your website from. So if you do nothing else, I strongly encourage lawyers to do, ensure your bio is well-written. It's easy to find on your website. And again, it explains what a client will gain by working with you. Tell them how you approach solving problems for companies like yours. Tell them how you have brought success for other clients. Um, write it from the perspective of what the company or the individual will gain by engaging you as opposed to writing it from all the great things you have done. And it's a slight nuance. Um, you know, it's similar content, but it's worded a little differently. And once you have your bio, I would say the next place to start is your LinkedIn profile. And I should say I'm not trying to endorse one social platform over another. But there are still too many lawyers that are just not taking advantage of LinkedIn. And the fact is that LinkedIn, in terms of the ability to return, come back in searches, so it, you know, we know that when you Google someone's name, oftentimes LinkedIn profiles will be the first that will come back in a search. Uh, that, and the ability to build a network online is so critical that... I think focusing on your LinkedIn profile as a place to start is, is a, an important one. And um, I encourage lawyers to take advantage. There are great tip sheets out there on, and really good 
consultants also who can help you think about how to put together an effective LinkedIn profile, but it is worth that initial time and investment to do so. Um, and then, you know, there are the other social media platforms, I think, are a good and easy place for lawyers to start, but it does depend on who your clientele is. Um, sometimes they may be great less for your own postings, but more to, again, on the business intelligence side, to sort of track and be aware of what your clients are saying. Um, you know, you can use Twitter feeds to follow what a given company is finding important or anticipating in a, a direction that they want to go in. And so I would encourage people to get started in being familiar with those platforms. Is there anything else you'd like to add for focus or should we move to client service, which was our next question? Well, I think in terms of business development, um, you know, I, I want to remind everybody just before we leave this topic that the technology is a tool. It's not the solution. This is a relationship business, and um, it's important that, that we use these tools to be faster, to be more efficient, uh, to maybe establish credibility. But if all you do is create a website and ask people to call you if they have questions, you're not going to see growth in your practice. So I encourage looking at technology as a tool for helping your business development but to continue to sort of stay focused on building those solid client relationships. You know, the phrase better client service has almost become a buzz phrase in our uh, profession right now, but can you tell us briefly about how lawyers can use these digital platforms to improve their service to their clients? Sure. Well, I, I can share with you a really a great example in, in my own firm. Um, we are leveraging digital platforms to be able to survey our clients. And we've done some creative things. And other industries do this much more frequently and more effectively, I think, than law firms do. But clients tell us all the time that their lawyers do not check in with them. They don't actively seek feedback. They don't ask them what they could be doing more uh, to gain their trust and their work. And so we are able to use technology. We use an online survey tool um, to survey vast numbers of our clients on a regular basis. And then we use that data to tell us both how to improve a specific individual client relationship as well as how the firm, how the enterprise can enhance its own skills and create new ways to exceed our clients' expectations. If you don't ask, you don't know. And these tools make it much more feasible for us to understand what clients consider valuable in terms of service. Um, and then I, I mentioned things like blogs and e-alerts, webinars. Uh, by leveraging these digital platforms, small and big law firms are able to offer really specific and tailored training for clients. Um, CLEs for large legal departments and other ways to learn about legal developments that may be impacting their business. When, when we're putting together pitches or proposals, we often extol these offerings when a client will ask us how we can help them keep their legal team aware of developments as it impacts them. And, you know, we can use data analytics to provide more, more specific pricing models. So, technology is changing the way we put together legal budgets and we're able to be more effective and more competitive in, in, the, in that area as well. We certainly are and we're seeing a lot of that. Let us pause for a commercial break and then we'll be right back. 
recent years, the legal sector has come under increasing pressure to improve efficiency and client services. CloudMask enables law firms and solo attorneys to leverage free and low-cost software as a service, such as Google Apps and Office 365, to improve efficiency and client service while reducing costs, strengthening compliance with data privacy laws, and ensuring that legal ethical duties are met. CloudMask encryption is even certified by 26 governments around the world. Sign up now for your 60-day free account at CloudMask.com. Looking for a process server you can trust? ServeNow.com is a nationwide network of local pre-screened process servers. ServeNow works with the most professional process servers in the country. Connect your firm with process servers who embrace technology, have experience with high-volume serves, and understand the litigation process and rules of properly effectuating service. Find a pre-screened process server today. Visit servenow.com. Welcome back to the Digital Edge on the Legal Talk Network. Today, our subject is how to attract clients in the digital era, and our guest is Sona Pancholi, the Director of Business Development at Stinson Leonard Street, based in their Washington, D.C. office. Turning to social media do's and don'ts, let's talk about social media do's. What tips can you offer for lawyers new to social media? So I think there, it's important that they um, leverage these sites, right? The, a lot of them are free, and um, I, I find so many lawyers just missing the simple opportunity. So, for example, if you're speaking or you're writing, use your LinkedIn profile, your Facebook page to repost that content. Each forum reaches a different type of audience. It's important. It's free, as I said, and you can reach a variety of people that way and repurpose your your content. Also, use the platform to know who your audience is. Write and speak in a manner that's appropriate for them. So, for example, if you're an advertising lawyer and most of your readers are CMOs or consumer brands, you might use some catchy phrases. You might find appropriate photos. And if you're a banking lawyer, you might want to still be engaging, but perhaps skip the clip art. And measure. Social media platforms allow you to know who's following you, take a look, who are they, is it the right audience, and if not, tweak your process um, and, and consider different content so that you can reach the right audience. Well, the other side of the coin is what are the no-nos? The most common mistake is lawyers who just continue to avoid these platforms, right? And, and if you need validation that you, will look, you won't look silly, um, I'll, I'll give you two. I recently attended a panel of in-house counsel, and every single one of them told the audience that they read the content that we as lawyers put out there. Uh, they do have caveats around that. It has to be relevant. Um, but they want this information from us. And so your clients are telling you that. Um, so don't avoid putting information out there and, and using these platforms. And if it, you still need another example, I can tell you the White House uses Google Hangout, a pl- social media platform, to reach constituents that they want to engage on social issues. So if they can do it, there's no reason we can't do it. <laughs> Having said that, I will go back to my, my caveat, and that is you have to be relevant. Don't use these platforms to tell the world how great you are. Don't flood your network with promotions of all of your accomplishments. 
people are reading their news feeds and they're logging on to these platforms, scanning for information, who, what, how, tell them that quickly and tell them that frequently and they will continue to follow you on these platforms. And lastly, I think, Sharon, you hinted at it um, earlier in our conversation, just don't forget that there are ethics rules that are evolving around lawyers' use of social media. Don't buy the hype that you can't use it, but do proceed with caution and understand these rules and watch for the changes that are coming in them. Okay, for those who follow your suggestions well and they now have a mobile-optimized website, they regularly post to a blog or social media, they maintain their LinkedIn profile and they gather information on their marketplace, what do you advise for them to do next? Well, Jim, you mean if they've done all that, they can't just sit back and wait for the phone to ring? I mean, we all did go to law school just to be able to do that, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Of course. I'm, I'm joking, of course. But, you know, I've had the privilege of working with lawyers around the world in lots of different professional settings. And the best advice I received was from a mentor who once reminded me that at one time, lawyers referred to themselves as counselors. You may remember those business cards that used to read counselors at law. Yep. But the reason that reminder stays with me is all the digital evolution does not replace the fact that the best lawyers are those that still view their role as a counselor, someone whose purpose is to help their clients and to help their community. So I say this because blogs and data analytics, et cetera, they're just meaningless if you lose sight of the relationship purpose behind them. So I encourage everybody to use these tools to build more meaningful relationships, to be more efficient in doing so, and to understand that you will still be hired by people and people want to know that you care about the things that are important to them. Let the digital era help you be a better person and a better counselor at law. Well, Sana, we can't thank you enough. This has been a truly excellent podcast and full of useful information that people can put, put into use right away. Um, so thank you so much for being our guest today. Absolutely. My pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. That does it for this edition of the Digital Edge Lawyers and Technology. And remember, you can subscribe to all of the editions of this podcast at LegalTalkNetwork.com or on iTunes. And if you enjoyed our podcast, please rate us on iTunes. Thanks for joining us. Goodbye, Miss Sharon. Happy trails, cowboy. Thanks for listening to The Digital Edge, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join Sharon Nelson and Jim Calloway for their next podcast covering the latest topic related to lawyers and technology. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.